We've been in a series over the last number of weeks. In fact, this is the seventh week of a series on the Holy Spirit, talking specifically about the fruits of the Spirit and how and what it looks like in our life. And something that's exciting about working through the Bible in regards to the Holy Spirit is there's a great deal of anticipation, looking for God to be at work and seeing where God is working and then joining God in that work. And that's something absolutely tremendous that we have the honor of doing as Christians, seeing where God is at work and then joining him in that work. Get your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We're going to get there in a few moments' time. But let me give you a little bit of background in regards to 2 Corinthians. The book of 2 Corinthians was written by a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul. And as a re- he started this church in the real place called Corinth, which is in modern day Greece. He loved these people, but these people had a lot of, of problems. They were morally, they were messed up. There was infighting in the church. So he wrote them the first letter, which is called 1 Corinthians. And then he actually wrote them another letter that's not recorded in Scripture. And he also went to visit them to encourage them and to help them no longer go the old way. So this is where we often find ourselves. We've heard the truth. We've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, but we continue living the old way as if we had not accepted Christ as Savior. And that's what Paul's addressing here in 2 Corinthians. He's saying here, let's turn and let's begin living the new way. Because there's, there's absolutely no way that you and I can live this life in a life of faithfulness to God, in our own strength, in our own power. We are challenged in the book of Galatians chapter number 5 to walk by the Spirit. And he gives us the key there, walk by the Spirit. Later on we see what's referred to as the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness we're talking about today, gentleness, self-control. There's absolutely no way we can live a life like that in our own strength and our own power. Therefore, we must go back to the Word of God and hear the truth, accept the truth, and then begin to live the truth. And that's really the process that we find in Scripture throughout the Bible. You and I are presented with truth from the Word of God. What are we going to do with it? Today, I'm going to challenge you to make a choice to choose to follow after the things of God, to choose to be faithful. We hear the truth. We need to apply the truth, or sorry, accept the truth, and then we apply the truth. Let me give you a very simple and kind of silly illustration. About once a week for the, for the last, oh, probably this entire year, on Dialup Boulevard out here, the police will be there in the school zone catching people that are speeding through the Dialup Boulevard school zone. First of all, don't speed in school zones. Problem solved. But if I told you, watch out, there, is a, there are police out there, you've heard the truth. Now it's up to you and how you're going to respond to it. You can ignore that and go, no, I'm the exception. I'm just going to keep driving the way I've always driven, and some of you have, and you got to be visited by those police. Or you got something in the mail very kindly from them with your picture on it. You have a choice. Are you going to listen? The police are out there, so therefore I must go at least or no more than 40 kilometers an hour. That's the acceptance of it. Then the application is you're going to drive slower. 
As silly as an illustration as that is, that's what we find in our Christian lives as well. We find incredible truths in the Word of God, and then what are we going to do with them? Do we ignore them? We just go, okay, I know that, but I'm going to keep on living the old way. Or do we change the way that we live? But then we come up with a problem. I cannot do that in my own strength and own ability because not one of us have ever accidentally loved somebody. Like, I accidentally was faithful to God today. It's a choice that we must make. And in regards to that choice, we have to change our perspective. We see our lives as the messed up lives, and we don't see the perspective that God sees. And we see our sin, we see our failure, we see our circumstances, we see all these things around us that would tell us, I can't do this. And what we need to do today is to change our perspective and to see things the way that God sees them. Because when we see our lives the way that God sees them, He doesn't see you as the culmination of all your failures. He sees you as a person that's been forgiven, that's been set free, that has a new life, and now you can see life the way that He sees you. We're called to walk by the Spirit. There's no way you can do that in your own strength and your own power. And today I'm going to challenge you to choose to live a life of faithfulness. What we're going to do today is to base this upon the Word of God. Our principle for today is this. Faithfulness is daily living in belief and confidence of God's promises. Daily living in belief and confidence of God's promises. Because of God's promises, we now have a new faith. We're no longer called to live the old way any longer. There are three points in regards to changing our perspective. We have a significant faith, a resilient faith, and a confident faith. And that's what I want you to have as we go out in the world around us. As you think about the the opportunities that God has for you as an individual, there's incredible opportunities that are seemingly overwhelming And you recognize, you think to yourself, I cannot do this by myself. And you know what God says? I agree. And that's not a weak prayer. That is a powerful prayer of saying, God, I need you every step of the way. So let's look at the book of 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, open to chapter number 4. And let's see what the Apostle Paul encourages this church in Corinth with. And through that, encourages you and I. But if you notice, the beginning of chapter number four begins with the word therefore. So we need to go back actually to chapter number three and to see what it's talking about there. Because anytime you see in the Bible the word wherefore or therefore, you need to look back previously because this is the application of something previous. In chapter three, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's the The title of our series that we're going through right now is called Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then go into chapter number 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have a significant faith because Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again triumphantly. And now he is in heaven right now, as the Bible says, preparing a place for us in heaven. We have a significant faith. This is no small thing. 
It's not something you just take it or leave it. This has significant consequences. What you believe makes a significant difference. Your faith is a significant faith. It goes on in that passage in verses 5 and 6. It says there, because we have this, we do not lose heart. Verse 5 says, for what we proclaim, that's a key word. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. In other words, he's saying there, it's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's not all about just going through the motions of church. This is all about Jesus Christ as Lord. For ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We're challenged there in the, in the first verse, verse 5, to not proclaim ourselves, but to proclaim Jesus Christ. We think through the attributes of what faithfulness looks like. We often think through a faithfulness as being somebody that is persistent, somebody that is loyal, a person that does what they say they're going to do, a person that is honest. But the problem is, I look at those attributes, and sometimes I'm honest, but not always. Sometimes I'm dishonest. Sometimes I follow through with the things that I'm, I say I'm going to do, but not always. I'm not always faithful. I'm not always following through. Sometimes I disappoint people. I'm not always loyal. Sometimes I, 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 I break my word. I'm not always persistent because sometimes I give up, and you do too. But we're challenged there to not focus upon what we can't do. We're here to focus upon what we can do. And in that passage, it says there to proclaim Jesus. We can't do that in our own strength. We must walk by the Spirit. To proclaim Jesus becomes really practical when we begin to look at our lives. So in other words, we don't just come to church because you want to see people or because you enjoy the music or even the preaching. You come to meet Jesus and so that you can proclaim Jesus. You don't just give in an offering or give to missions because it's the thing to do. You're doing that because we want to proclaim Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow, sorry to bring that up, I know. You're going to work tomorrow. You're not just going to work because you have bills to pay. You're going anticipating and looking for opportunities to proclaim Jesus. Even those that are going to school. And you have exams. Some of you are halfway through your exams. You're not just going because you have another test and you have to graduate so that you can go to uni. You're doing it. The motivation here is looking and anticipating that you can some way proclaim Jesus through what you're doing. There's a man named James Hudson Taylor who lived in the 1800s. And as a 21-year-old in 1853, he got on a boat and sailed from England to China. And we often look at people's lives and we think about them at the end of their life when they've accomplished a great deal. And we forget that faithfulness wasn't just something they arrived at the end of their life and look back and they're just 
accidentally happened. It was a culmination of choice upon choice upon choice. Today I'm going to allow God to work in me and through me. Today I'm going to allow this opportunity to proclaim Jesus. I have a, I have a significant faith. And we see that certainly in Hudson Taylor's life. He's a man that as a 21-year-old went off to China. He actually integrated within the society and began wearing the same clothes as, as the Chinese people. He grew a ponytail and, and he totally immersed himself within the culture in order to reach people. People from the outside looked in and go, what's wrong with this man? He's not the traditional missionary. What's, what's wrong with him? They begin to criticize him. And he started an organization called the China Inland Mission. They started just with prayer and saying, God, will you send us 24 missionaries, two for each of the provinces of China? And they began praying and God provided them. They continued to pray over the years and they asked God for 70 more missionaries and God provided 70 more. They asked God for 100 later on and God provided 100 more and it continued on today. And the China Inland Mission, 155 years later, is still going today. They've changed their name. It's now called the Overseas Missionary Fellowship. And we look back on somebody's life and it wasn't the culmination. He just woke up one day and goes, I accidentally was faithful my entire life to God. I accidentally helped reach literally thousands, and even today through his influence, reaching tens of thousands of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't just accidentally, because something was significant, he chose to be faithful. That totally transformed his life. He left his loved ones behind. He left his comforts behind. He says, I'm going to do what Jesus Christ has called me to do. And he has a quote that says this. God is not looking for men of great faith. He is looking for common men to trust his great faithfulness. God is not looking for great men. You can add your, your own name in there. Let's just add your own name in there. God is not looking for a great Michael. He's just looking for Michael to be faithful, to look for, to his faithfulness. We're challenged here to change our perspective because we have a significant faith that allows us to proclaim Jesus Christ. But not only do we have a significant faith, we also have a resilient faith that just keeps on going. Continuing on in that passage in verse number seven, we see, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's talking about our treasure is our lives. The jars of clay is our bodies. To show that, so why do we have this treasure of our bodies? To show that the surpassing power, that's the next key word, belongs to God and not to us. In our times of seemingly weakness and inability, that's when God shows his power. It's not through the comforts of our life. Whenever I think about resilience, I think about the first several years of our church meeting. We're coming up to our eighth anniversary in July, but for the first six and a half years of our church, we didn't meet here. We met 400 meters that way at Dialup College. And we met in the Performing Arts Theater. And for the first four years of us meeting there, it was a very welcoming room. It had black floors, black walls, and black ceilings. So very warm and welcoming to, to invite people to come into. For the first four years, and many of you were here during that time, we didn't have any air conditioning or any heating in that room. It had, we, well, it was broken. And they didn't know what was wrong with it, and we just thought that was how it was. So we would sit there, boiling in the summertime, freezing in the winter. We gave out blankets, and people put blankets over them, and it 
always, and I mean this sincerely, always shocked me that people came to church and more so that they came back a second time after freezing through the service. People were saved, they were baptized, our church grew during that time, and it reminded me constantly that it wasn't the comforts, it wasn't the presentation, it wasn't our skill and ability, it's the gospel and our faith that was resilient, because it says that the power belongs to God and not to us. It's not our circumstances that God is, is interested in. He's interested in you as an individual, changing you and molding you and directing you. The Apostle Paul has quite a resume. And later on in this passage, in verses 8 through 10, he lays out some real serious difficulties. And maybe where you are today, you can relate to some of these difficulties. And you can begin to to relate where you are today in your circumstances and and the people around you and your ability or seemingly inability. Let's see what it says there. We are afflicted in every way, Thank God that just doesn't finish there with a, with a full stop and go. We're afflicted in every way. But it continues on, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. It gives us our motivation. It's all about Jesus showing Jesus through our lives. But but you know what? Talk is cheap. It's easy to sit back in comfort and write about not being perplexed and not not being driven to despair, being persecuted but not forsaken when everything seems to be okay. But the Apostle Paul certainly lived that out. Later on in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, he lays out his own personal resume. And it's a resume that I don't want to, to emulate. I mean, I, I, I cry to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have a hangnail. <laughs> it hurts. I'm suffering for you, God. And what we see here is some serious affliction that he worked him through. It says in, in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 28, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness. He goes on every danger. Danger at sea, dangers from false brothers in toils and hardship, through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I have no doubt there was times in the middle of these beatings. He says there five times received at the hands of the Jews, 39 lashes. And if you've ever seen a Roman whip and how, how devastating that is to your body, you imagine the anticipation of knowing how much that's going to hurt and how long it's going to take you to heal. I have no doubt it wouldn't take very many of those lashes for me to begin questioning my faith. Is what I'm doing, is this worth it? Thank God we we find here is that it's not in our strength, it's not in our ability, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we find the resilience for our faith. That's where we find our power. It's in your weakness that God shows His power. 
the Apostle Paul continues on in verse 30 and says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Rather than looking back and going, look how good and spiritual I am, he's saying here, I'm going to show my weakness in order to show the power of God in my life. That's true faithfulness. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about what God can do in us and through us for his honor and his glory. In times of difficulty, that's when we can see God do some miraculous things. Through this time of coronavirus, my personal prayer is that God will, will spare lives. I've certainly prayed for our, our nation and for people's lives and for their health. I pray for people's jobs. But the most prayer that I've prayed and the, and the, really the, the sincere prayer of my heart is that God will use this as a time to change people's lives, to spark revival, not just in our nation, but around the world. And in times of difficulty, this is when we have the opportunity to, to move forward and to shine. Several weeks ago in Vanuatu, there was a, a cyclone that went through called Cyclone Herald. It was quite devastating. And our missionaries there, Jeremy and Liz Pinero, were right, the eye of the storm went right across their property. Their home was destroyed. Several of the church buildings that they, they ministered through were destroyed. And because of your faithful faith promise missions giving, which is missions giving over and above our regular tithes and offerings, it happened on a Sunday. I think it was by that Tuesday. We had sent them $6,000 because of your faithful giving in order to help rebuild. In a moment, we're going to see a video of, of one of the churches that they're rebuilding. And I want you to look at the faces of the people and know that you as an individual have had a part in this and so that we can show forward the resilient faith that we have. Hi, you're here with me in the mountains of uh, Big Bay, Santo a village called Vunikarakara, one of the furthest villages in the jungle. It's taken us eight grueling hours, crossing rivers 27 times, climbing up mountains to get here. And uh, we were actually going to be here in May to open up the brand new church that had just been built. Uh, now, as a result of the cyclone, you can see what is um, left of the old church building here. And uh, you can see all the benches here. There was a building right here where I'm standing on this site here. Um, you can see here is where the gospel was being preached and uh, the building actually flew um, down into that valley down there and uh, praise the Lord, didn't hit anybody, didn't kill anybody but definitely will and truly destroyed the building so uh, our plans are to rebuild if by God's grace and mercy we can, uh, we can see that accomplished we've actually cut, um, just the other day the boys cut all this ground here and extended the building this way and the concept is to now put the building facing against the wind rather than away from the wind. As you can see, there's a valley down here. You can see a bit of the village. Um, everything was completely decimated. It actually looks like a volcano um, exploded here or some sort of bomb. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers and your support uh, to be able to help us to reach these people in the light of the gospel. Here we are. We are walking back from Budikarakara. Heading back home, ready for, uh, takes about eight or nine hours to get up here. Um, I reckon, I don't know, maybe four or five hours to get back. It's all downhill. Um, still hard though and very slippery. You can see the village in the background there. Thank you for being a part of Faith Promise Missions Giving because those people, you may never meet them here on earth 
but you had a part in helping them know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Another quote by Hudson Taylor says this, All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on Him being with them. God will do great things in you and through you, but you cannot do that in your own strength, in your own power. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to walk with us. We have a significant faith that allows us to proclaim Jesus Christ. We have a resilient faith because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And that gives us a confident faith, allows us to move forward, not with hesitancy. We can move forward with confidence to see what God will do. In the future. As I said earlier, it's a powerful prayer to pray, I can't, God. Because that's not a prayer of saying, I won't. That's praying, I need you with me every step of the way. I don't want to move forward as a pastor, as a husband, or as a father for one step forward with in my own strength and my own power, because I know I must do that in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit every step of the way. There's a big difference between religion and relationship. Often when I speak with people, they'll they'll call me religious, and I know what they mean, but I don't believe I am religious because I see religion as a set of rules. I believe that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. An illustration of that is religion says, I messed up. My dad is going to kill me. Relationship says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. And that's where we find ourselves a confident faith. We're not hiding from God. We want to walk with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, it says, So we do not lose heart. Verse number one began with, so that we do not lose heart. And now the end of this thought and end of this passage, he says, so that we do not lose heart. And he gives us a reality check. Though our outer self is wasting away. I'm not going to look at anyone in the eyes, but can you relate to that? The outer self wasting away. I mean, <laughs> I'm almost 40 years old in another year and a bit. And you know, I, I can feel, I can only imagine what you 60-year-olds feel like. Oh my goodness. And you, you think to yourself, this, this is it? I mean, I'm, a, I'm supposed to be a prime specimen. You can relate to this outer self wasting away. And as you look at your life and you think about who you are and all your inabilities, oftentimes we focus upon what we cannot do rather than focusing upon what God can do in us and through us. When we're totally reliant upon Him for our faithfulness, you cannot be faithful to God by accident by yourself. We must work with Him and allow Him to empower us to do what He wants to do in us. And the beautiful thing we see here is this isn't it. And you may look at your body and think of your ailments and get up and be sore in the morning or still sore now. And you think to yourself, this is it. This is as good as life gets. But according to the Bible, we have something that he's doing. He's preparing a place for us. He's preparing us. Let's continue reading. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. We're growing spiritually. 
For this light momentary affliction, that is, our life is but a vapor. For this light momentary affliction is preparing. That's the next key word. We had proclaim power. The next key word is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or very temporal and short term. But the things that are unseen are eternal. We need to change our perspective on the present and also change our perspective on the future. Where are you investing your faithfulness? Where are you investing this time that you're called, that's called your life? Life is but a vapor, as Solomon says. It's gone in just a brief few moments. We need to be turning to God and allowing Him to work in us and through us. It says in Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit. That's the only way that you and I can be faithful. Another Hudson Taylor quote says, God's work done in God's way will never lack provision. God's work done in God's way will never lack provision because He's the one that's providing. And I've looked around in our own, my own personal life and seen how God has provided. And I prayed and said, God, will you do this? And God opens a door that's totally sometimes opposite of where the direction I was going. And I think to myself, God, why are you not answering my prayer as I'm heading down this pathway that He's opened up, thinking all along that I have to come up with all the ideas. And then God opens up doors and opportunities. And we see, we look back and think, thank you, God, for not answering my prayer. Thank you for not giving me the, the little thing that I wanted because you opened up something so much greater. God's work done in God's way will never lack provision. We see in this passage, we have a significant faith, a faith that we can proclaim. We have a resilient faith because we have power not in ourselves but through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a confident faith because he's preparing a place not just for, for the now but for eternity in heaven. He's preparing a place for us in heaven right now. We can see our principle. Faithfulness is daily living in the belief and confidence of God's promises. So you and I have a choice. You have a choice today of how you are going to respond. You notice I haven't listed off a bunch of needs of our church. I haven't said, you know, you, to be faithful, you must, you, know, you must give, although we should. We find in Scripture we should give. You must serve in the particular areas, although we should serve. We find that throughout Scripture about serving. You must go out and witness and share your faith with others. Absolutely find that. What I'm going to challenge you to do is to make a choice of just saying, God, I'm open to what you have for me. As you prompt me, as you guide me, I will simply say yes to choose to be faithful. And could you imagine how different your life our, your family, our church, our community would be if every single one of us simply said, God, I'm open to be faithful to how you guide me and you direct me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And one final Hudson Taylor quote before we pray. It is not by trying to be faithful, but by looking to the faithful one that we win the victory. It is not by trying to be faithful. It's not by your works of righteousness. It is by looking to the faithful one, Jesus Christ, and his salvation that we win the victory. As we go out this week, let's live lives that are faithful for God so that we can experience the Holy Spirit working in us and through us.